Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And at last, with a huge sigh of relief, we have managed to start the rot. The uh, victorious run that we were on has finally, and uh, everyone is uh, relieved about it, come to an end. And uh, the, the rot was started up at uh, the Etihad Stadium against, uh, against uh, City. Uh, Manchester City, the Hams went up there and heroically lost a game of football. And uh, it's good because we were running out of things to talk about the more games we constantly won, won week after week. But hopefully this will open new avenues of discussion for us, the fact that we've lost a game of football. And who better to talk about it than these three? Now, as you know, uh, last week we managed to make a dent uh, in our huge backlog of gyms by having three gyms on one programme. <laughs> Uh, this this huge store of gyms is very much like the uh, uh, like the AstraZeneca vaccine. We've got a huge amount to get through. We've just got to get gyms out there and into people's ears. And uh, we managed three last week. Um, and of course, when you're storing gyms, you have to store them at extremely low temperatures. <laughs> they just go off and turn into uh, needles. So uh, we've got a couple of gyms with us this week. As always, it's Jim Grant. Hello, Jim. Good evening. Good evening. And it's a pleasure right. to have you. He's always great. One of one of the oldest friends of this podcast. And uh, uh, in fact, he is uh, doing a, a, a podcast of his own, which I have seen. It's a, it's a visual podcast as well. Under the auspices of the organisation that he is the head honcho of the originator, uh, the West Ham supporters group, the LGBTQ West Ham supporters group, Pride of Irons. It is, of course, Jim Dolan. Hello, Jim. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Good it's to see a, you. It's been a while. We've done, we've, done a, we've done a Zoom one, haven't we? We've done, we've done one. Right to the beginning of the old lockdown and uh, we, we had no predictions to do. So I think we ended up predicting when the, the next game would be. Right. Oh, right. Well, those, those, that's the old days of predictions. That's, that's looking at tea leaves predicting, that is. That's Back in the good old days when West Ham were doing what West Ham should be doing before this, I don't know, disrespecting our traditions and our values by winning football. I'm disgusted. 
It is. It's appalling. And here to to uh, share our ire is another great friend of this podcast. It's brilliant to have him back. It is journalist, broadcaster, um, narrow caster, medium medium length caster. He is a caster of all kinds. Uh, he's a, a poly a poly poly. What word am I looking for here? Jim? Yes. Polyglot. <laughs> Polymath. Polymath. That's right. Polymath. Mark Webster. Hello, Webber. Yeah. I knew it's never been, never been attributed to the word math before in any way, shape or form. And I do like the fact that you are more Jims than David Lloyd. So so well done to uh, to you as a podcast. It's a fantastic achievement on your part. And as you say, I could not be more honoured and privileged than to join you at exactly the time where I would have left you over the last 40 to 90 years, which is, <laughs> which is looking forward to ordinariness and possibly something worse. Yes, yes. Now, Tuesdays, which is the evening we normally do this podcast, they become slightly difficult for you for a while, didn't they? Because you went up to the sort of East Midlands. Is that still, are you still doing that? I get, I've been getting around and about what I've done in, in my role at uh, TalkSport. I, I also work on TalkSport 2's EFL show. And I've taken it upon myself because I'm allowed to, because I have the, a media pass, is to, is to go to a couple of games. Go to games. Yes, to actual football matches of football. Yeah. Um, I was at I was at Liverpool West End, actually, in that context. And uh I, I I will go over probably next week to see how our old boy Joby McEnough is going as the as the new boss of Leighton Orient. Is Joby McEnough the new boss of Leighton yes. Orient? I did not know that. He's one of those players that, and in fact, uh, in a sort of tangential way, we will sort of come to our uh, period in the championship 2003-2004 for the saddest of reasons. But McEnough was one of the players that I always sort of thought paths should have hung on to. You know, in, in that huge, when he was filtering <clears throat> through all these players, letting some of them play for a couple of months, then letting them go, hanging on to Rio Coca, obviously. But, you know, Adam Nolan went away. Gareth, what was his name? Williams, the wealth. Yeah, yeah, Williams. You know, he played about two games for us. And McEnough, I sort of thought, oh, no, keep him. Mm. Has he hung up his boots, Webbo, or is he player manager? I checked. Uh, as we speak, um, they are playing. Uh, they're away at Grimsby, so that's a, that's a big game. So by the time you hear this, you'll hear how big it was for him because, of course, they're flirting with relegation. And he, oh, yeah. he got the job in the week prior to this. And he's not he's not in the lineup or on the bench. Oh. And I it, I always see it's interesting. I mean, the caretaker managers are left, right, and centre nowadays. And a lot of them are, are players. And sometimes you, you want to go, well, of course I'm picking myself. I'm excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going straight in the side. And guess what? I'm the boss, so that can happen. But, yeah, he, I, I talked to him about this once before. He's really, he, I mean, not gutted in the sense where it's sort of like it's a, a bane of his life or a blot on his life, but he wanted to stay at West Ham, but he was sacrificed. I forget, it might be Matty Everington, but someone came in and it meant that someone had to go. And I think, therefore, right. it was another wide man. And so... We, he he was fleetingly part of our setup, wasn't he? But do you know, strangely enough, lads, I have it. Another guy who was in that similar boat was doing Matty Paris. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, yes, uh, no. So uh, Matty Jarvis. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Not George Barrett. Matt Jarvis is one of my grandson's PE teachers. Oh wow. <laughs> 
Is he now a PE teacher? He is. He Blimey. is indeed. So he's, as he, he's obviously hung up his boots then. He's not he's not yeah. holding down two jobs, footballer and PE teacher. No, I think he, he might put his boots on to kick 14-year-olds around the park a bit. But um, yeah. no, I think he's now officially a school teacher, yes. He must surely be terrorised by 14-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the weakest-willed footballers I've ever seen in my life. He's, he's, put, some, he's put some muscle on. He's, he's not quite torres it up yet, but he certainly... Right. He, he certainly do you know how footballers do is, obviously, there's, I guess there's two ways to go when you've been a skinny, you know, 0% body fat footballer, yeah. is yeah. to become a 120% body fat footballer, yeah. Yeah. or they pile on the muscle, and he's gone yeah. for the piling on the muscle version. Right, right. Well, those 14-year-olds can be quite cruel, so I guess he's got to sort of, uh, <laughs> he's got to like, you know, learn Kung Fu or uh, bulk up. Anyway... <laughs> We played Manchester City and uh, we lost uh, narrowly to them. We scored a good goal. They scored two good goals. And um, what do we make of that game? Jim, Jim, what do you, Jim Dolan, what did you make of it? Um, I mean, it's, it looked like uh, Moyes had a plan. You know, when we got that, it was, it was obviously, you know, it was a case of trying to absorb it and then hit them on the break, which I think we did really well. We did that normal thing of, you know, kind of getting out there when we could, but then getting back in numbers really, really quickly. I think for a long time, it looked like it was playing off and maybe we'd get something out of it. But um, I think it's quite unlucky, really, that a cross straight in and one of the, one of the central defenders didn't get to it for them to get that first goal, um, well, the first of theirs. I think that was just really unlucky. Um I don't know. I just I, I started. I've got to this weird point where uh, the, the passion of football was overridden slightly by a little bit of pragmatism because I'm starting to trust David Moyes. So I was getting a bit frustrated watching Johnson, you know, sort of bomb it down the wing, and you think, okay, he's going to whip it in, and then he didn't. He stopped and he passed it back, and I was like, okay, don't get angry, Jim, because this is obviously some kind of plan. So I don't know. I just felt really. Com- I don't know. Are you allowed to feel comfortable with West Ham? I just felt really <laughs> comfortable with what we were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't think I don't. So, I mean, Johnson is a sort of case in point, and I don't think that was Moyes' plan. We'll come to that in a minute. Webbo, what did you make of it? I mean, again, it's it's one of those ones. I mean, the ball is an inch behind Diop for him to get a decent angle on it at the end of that game, isn't it? And yeah, I, I th- the talk seemed to be that they thought he had a chance, which I don't think he did because of having to crane his neck around. But it's it's so close to Suchek, and it's nearly. Yeah. An incredible point, and I hate the, uh, the reason I hate the expression "free hit" is because it was the only expression we. It's the only words that left my lips, and yeah. it's the Man City game arrived, and we and we won the previous one. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, but it was that, um, and that, and and to see Man City playing like they know that they were in a proper game of football, and to a certain extent, Guardiola going, do you know what we? We got away with that one. I will take the moral high ground and and the three-point moral victory that goes with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this thing about sort of, you know, this this sort of low possession, hit them on the break football is that um, it's quite an unusual thing to watch. You know, it's sort of, you know, often a team playing in the hope that the other team is just going to sort of play in front of them for the bulk of the game and that they will sort of soak it up. It was very much a tactic that a couple of sort of fairly shitty West Ham teams have tried to play under Allardyce specifically and Kirby. 
and end up losing 1-0. Whereas this, you have to get used to the idea that actually they sort of know what they're doing and mm. they're constantly in the game and that essentially Manchester City are sort of going, oh shit, are you still here? You know, uh, as the mm. game is still nil-nil, you know, the minutes are ticking by, nothing, you know, and... and um Staying in the game means that that sort of Diop chance kind yeah. of happens at the end because, you know, you haven't, you're not doing something that isn't working, so you give up. Uh, you're also not, you know, I mean, it was Manchester City and I think we, Jim, you and I were sort of watching it together on a Zoom call and when yeah. that goal came, their goal, it was at a time you thought, hmm, I think they're going to score in a minute because yeah. they did step things up and sort of put their foot on the gas a bit, didn't they? They were upping it at that point, weren't they? And and it came from a, a they had a couple of set pieces and it, it sort of came from one and they leave both centre halves up, don't they? They're that confident about their <laughs> their ability to win the ball back that they leave bodies up. And we were basically our centre halves were outnumbered three it was a three on two, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we were just we just weren't wise to that, you know, whether that was something that hadn't come up in you know, in sort of kind of spying on them as it as it were. But somebody, a Rice or a Suchek, should have hung back, shouldn't they, and sort of added an extra body for us in there. But it was a beautiful ball in and a bullet header from very close range. Yeah. You know, Randolph got a hand to it, but that's one of those ones where if you're lucky, it, it ricochets off your, your wrist or something and it's the bar or, or whatever. So it was one of those one of those things. But I think you're right. Yeah, they had, they had definitely upped it. But... A measure of what you were saying earlier, what everyone said so far, was the fact that in the first half, at least, you know, we we created the better. They hardly had a kick at goal, did they? Mm. Everything was long range, and we created the 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 more promising chances. Agreed. Um, uh, and it, we just weren't able to sustain it in terms of legs. Arguably, perhaps he needed to freshen up the legs ten minutes, fifteen minutes earlier than he did with the subs. I mean, that might be the one picky thing you'd say about yeah. Moyes' performance. But, in you know, Jim's right. It had a game plan. And bloody hell, it, it nearly came on. It nearly worked, didn't it? Nearly did. We were against a team that's just so well drilled as well. You know, yeah. like we, we definitely had the pace in that game, but they, they just didn't need it. Their passing was so slick and crisp. They intercepted balls with ease. You know, we were putting mm. passes that you think... Against another team, no one's going to get a toe to that. But these guys know where to be positionally. They're yeah. just intercepting every ball and then breaking again. But, yeah. but you know, with, with yeah. that class and that, yeah. that ability to cut through us. Can I ask you, fellas, as well, just on that note, and it, it may be something you touched on, but given the fact that we're exposed to, if, there's two things. First of all, it's the, the the way that Moyes is playing his football this year, and the fact that that we're on the telly all the time, which means we're seeing away games. I, certainly for me, a lot more than I would normally do, whole games of football. Yeah. And I think that takes a mindset to get your head around the idea, the way that the professional footballers and management do, that this idea of not having dominated possession isn't such a bad thing. And it's, I, it's, it's I'm having to kind of have to rewire my brain yeah. to come to terms with the fact that I'm seeing a lot of away football and in away football particularly, you don't get the ball a lot. So therefore, but don't worry, everything's probably all, all right. Yeah. I, think, I think that's right. I mean, I think we've mentioned, uh, Webber, on the podcast, or I've mentioned over over the course of the season, really, that, that our pattern of play tends to involve, even games when we play well, we typically have about 35% possession, mm. but 
more shots on goal or more chances or more, or more shots on target than the, than the opposition. Um, and, you know, we got we had 35% against Man City, which is possibly more than we might have expected uh, to have, in fact. And uh, we didn't quite match them for attempts on goal, but it wasn't far short. It was, it was yeah. you know, wasn't a lot in it. Um, and like I say, some of ours were sort of, you know, actually, you know, closer to their goal than they, than they got to ours. Um, yeah. I think the thing is, though, you have to have, if that game plan was going to work, we had to have 11 players all absolutely on their game, playing to their maximum. And I felt certainly in Johnson, and possibly in Deal, but certainly in Johnson, we had, unfortunately, a player who, who had possibly his worst game in the West Ham. He, he had a real off day. He had a bit of a stinker. And that that cost us a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he's, he's on his wrong side in mitigation. Yeah, well. I absolutely. Was sort of thinking because... Because you know, at half time, I think you and I. Well, I said, Jim, to you that I thought he um, it wasn't actually so much defensively that he was sort of lacking, but but in attack, and yeah. when you're not going to get many attacking chances. You know, he, you know, as as you said, Jim, you know, sometimes he had the chance to put a cross in, but he he played a different ball. He passed it back or something like that. And it's possibly I was thinking, oh, well, maybe this is because he's on his wrong foot, really. You know. He, he's, he, I was going to say, he, he's, he's a proper fullback. He's a proper right fullback. Yeah. So those two, th- and he's played a, he's played very few first team games and certainly very few at a, a level of playing against Man City, absolutely in their pomp. And uh, do you know what? The odds are Fredericks, if he'd been fit, would have played there. Yeah. Would, would have been my possibly. guess. And I, and I think, and I, I, I'm, I think Johnson, I, funny enough, both, <coughs> excuse me, Tim, both the men you mentioned, I think Diop is getting better game by game now that he's back in the side. And I think Johnson, for someone with so little experience, has done the the job that in reality he's meant to do, which is to block up his part of the field in defence. He does really well. And and I've I've been impressed by that, the the fact that we kind of... when Arthur went, you know, it looked like, oh my God, it's disaster. Or Bonner goes, oh my God, it's disaster. Yeah. Isn't our house of cards all set to collapse? And each time, to a great extent, whoever's come in, not matched them completely, but certainly done a job. Yeah, no, I, I, what I, Phil yeah. was alluding to, right? That, you know, that he might not have been great going forward, but doing the job of being a defender, you know, he, he, he really looked after his part of the pitch, as you say. Like, Absolutely, he, he didn't yeah. get turned over at all. No, no, no. And it was, I mean, you know, they had three, they had 300 million pounds of footballers on the bench. And you know, those two banks of three, the sort of withdrawn bank of three was Fernandinho, Gunduan, and De Bruyne. And in yeah. front of them are Aguero, Mares, and the sort of quite new bloke, I'm not sure, Torres, I don't really know much about. But I mean, you know what are you supposed to do with that? It's like <laughs> yeah, no. no I, 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 don't get me wrong. I love I love Johnson. I think he's been fantastic uh, this season. He just had an off day. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, yeah, definitely in giving the ball away a lot going going forwards. But um, I, I don't think he was at his best defensively either. But but you know um, that happens, doesn't it? And and you know the thing is to win those really tight games against, and it was a really tight game, and that that, that you know. That's that in itself is something to say. Um, 
in those really tough games, you've got to have everybody absolutely at their maximum for us yeah. to be able to beat that kind of team. It just wasn't quite there. But no. um, our goal was very much sort of uh, redolent of the game plan, wasn't it? It was yeah. moved very quickly up the field, came out of defence. Uh, for now's really just took one touch, shoveled it on. Kufal crossed it, and we put it in. You know, it was a real hit them on the break goal. And yes, you know, you know that that's what Moyes wants. Moyes wants to move the ball quickly from defence to attack if that's how we're going to play you know if, yeah. if there's no point in hitting them on the break if you have guys that are going to dawdle on the ball for a no. long time and, I think um, and we had we had them rattled didn't we for, for, yeah. for the first 10 minutes or so of the of the second half was sort of end to end wasn't it and we we were we were really giving as good as we got at that point I just think we we ran out of legs a little bit um <laughs> yeah and, and they upped it second half didn't they and they, they were always going to do that and they've got such a wealth of of talent to, to be able to bring on, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it was a, it was a really respectable performance, a very, you know, performance to be proud of really in many ways. Agreed. I think yeah. the, the team should all be proud of themselves. I think there's been a big mental switch up since I'd probably say since the Liverpool game where it just seemed like they didn't feel like they had the right to have a go against Liverpool. Yes. Whereas I think against City, I think they had the belief in themselves. And maybe some of it weirdly came from the sort of complimentary sort of comments from Pep before, you know, leading up to the game and being taken seriously by competitors like that. I don't know, maybe that fed into it, but they definitely looked like they believed in themselves. I wonder, you know what, Jim? Ling, I wonder if Lingard's added a bit of that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he brings that with him. I think. I mean, I don't necessarily know that Lingard knew that he could bring it with him in terms no, no. of the fact that he was going to be sharp as a as a pack of knives, but picking up on Jim Dolan's point there as well, having been at that Liverpool game and, and and getting to sit in the rafters somewhat, which is not where I'd normally be, and so you you kind of get to see the layout of the players. You know, you're seeing yeah. more shape from that position. And you kind of, you've got to remind yourself in that first half, it was one of those games where, in fact, we should have probably been in front. And the fact that they that, that we then seemed to reach a point where we decided we couldn't justify taking on Liverpool. And that's and it's back to that point that you were making there, Jim, is the fact that is I think they'd probably come out of that game afterwards going and saying, ah, you know, sod that. We had a chance here. And perhaps in its own way, that was kind of cathartic anyway. Perhaps they've gone, we were we actually could have got some out of this game, and but we but we were conservative. We did what we thought you meant to do against the Liverpool and it didn't pay off. I yeah. think a similar thing happened against Spurs at half-time when they made the subs, when Bale came on. And I think it's almost as if, you know, we had a bit of like stars in our eyes and a bit of, you know, yeah. oh God, they brought on this guy. What are we going to do now? Because it just seemed to completely capitulate there as well. Tonight, Matthew, we're going to beat Spurs. Yeah, I agree with you entirely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, looking in sort of little blocks of games, I think sort of, you know, we'd obviously had that fantastic run when we lost to Liverpool, but then obviously, um, you know, we rallied and the Spurs going. So it probably feels like we actually ended up doing well in that block of games, you know, and uh, Mm. um, similarly, you know, I don't know how he's, you know, I I know that Allardyce really did divide the games up into sort of phases as the season went by. I don't know if Moyes does the same, but... Um, you know, we are looking 
sort of at this kind of run-in and uh, hoping that we don't sort of lose momentum and that our fantastic start sort of slightly does a kind of decorations after Christmas thing and we pick up less points on the run-in. You know, I've, I'm quite prepared to pick up less points on the run-in because it was a fantastic first half. But Lingard is exactly the sort of fresh pair of legs to help us to push on for the second half of this season. You know, He's yeah. absolutely brilliant. The thing I noticed about him, again, again, it's against Man City, a team who are just exceptional, is the small pockets of space that he can move in. Just the tiny little cramped areas where he can yeah. just glide through them. And what's quite frustrating about Ben Rahm becoming on as late as he did is that he also has that ability. Yeah. You, think yeah. if you had the two of them on a bit together a bit earlier. And I think actually, you know, Lingard also raises Fornell's game in that respect as well. I think yeah. you would have had a little bit more movement in, in the final third. I yeah, thought that, yeah, should, should have got, yeah, sorry, Jim, Jim Grant, no. the point you made earlier is I think he, he should have gone to a flat back for probably 10 or 15 minutes earlier. But the thing is, <clears> you kind of, I, I get his thinking because we're still only a goal behind at that yes. stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? You, there's still a point there for you with a lot of time on the clock. Whereas if you go, if you, if you kind of go for it a bit more, perhaps you end up losing 4-1. Yeah. So I get, yeah. I get, the, I get the balance that needs I, to be I, struck absolutely. there. Absolutely, I, I agree. I, I, I was sort of only saying, you know, if, if being picky, you know, maybe, maybe that's something that we could. I'm glad Jim has mentioned to Fornaus though, because I thought Fornaus was terrific. He was, thought, wasn't he? And I, and I agree with you about Lingard, sort of, um, uh, you know, starting to kind of pep up everybody. It's almost like when you have Payet. When you have a class player, other players get good around them, don't they? The, yeah, the Noble became the magician, better, didn't he? The inter, you know, yeah. you're more confident <laughs> that you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're more confident that the ball's going to be laid off where you expect, you know, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's that. Well, that's what City have got in their favour, isn't it? They've got the yeah. ability to to know where the ball's going to be. Yeah. 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 Um, what and do I you reckon? Fournel was, was great. Really good. Linking up to- stuff. 20 million quid I've been reading the week, fellas, for Lingard as a fee. That strikes me as extraordinarily cheap. And yeah. whatever you're allowed to do out of the transfer window, do it now. He's he's twenty eight. I don't know. Is twenty million cheap for twenty eight? I guess nowadays yeah, it probably I, is. You know, I sort of five, five more years, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, I'm. You just don't know, do you? I mean, I, I sort of part of me wishes he was sort of twenty six rather than twenty eight. You know, it is sort of. Um, you know, there are players that when their form starts to go, it goes really precipitously quickly Kevin Nolan is a very good example his form just disappeared before our very eyes you know and and you know Lingard you know we've bought there there are players nominally in that position uh that we have you know between Bowen Ben Rama Fornals uh Lanzini I I would you know if it's a question of sort of book balancing I'm sure they would if they're going to buy Fornals would probably want to shift Lanzini on yeah you know um, and conceivably, you know, Mark Noble. Yeah. Yeah, this you know? could be the last year. Because he'll be on big money. You know, it's not a question of getting sort of any money for Mark Noble because he'll probably, he may well retire. But it would be great to sort of, you know, if they were to keep him in the club in some kind of coaching capacity, that would be great. And and possibly maybe offering him a sort of one-year player contract Mm. With a view to keeping him in a sort of coaching role would be brilliant, but I was thinking the Ledley King type scenarios. So they had him, didn't they, as the club captain, even though he didn't yes. really play, and they yeah. had him yeah. on a contract so he could play if they ever wanted him to. But it was like you're saying that more ambassadorial role. Ledley and, King, and of course that, Lee, 
And that gives they brought in on one of those trolleys like Hannibal Lecter's wheel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those, you know, the the um, boxes on. Um, he's Ben Johnson's cousin, isn't he? They revealed that in the commentaries. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and of course, and of course, arguably, lads, the, 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 the one of the great sort of like bargaining chips for Declan Rice is the captaincy. Yeah, and mm, and yeah. I I would guarantee you that Mark Noble would find a way to keep a, something within the club and hand over formally the yeah. armband to Declan Rice to make sure that that continuity was there because yeah. he's that kind of West Ham man, Mark Noble. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I just don't know about Lingard. We probably got to Canio when he was like 28, 29, and he was, you know, he was almost at his peak. And, uh, and I, you know, I certainly really like Lingard and I think it'd be great to have him, you know, in the organisation. Um, what, what's good about him is that there are certain players that in order to do uh, do their particular uh, thing, they need to see a lot of the ball. And the good thing about, you know, I think Decanio just somehow demanded the ball by sheer force of will. <laughs> he just had to give it to him, otherwise he'd sulk. Um, but also he found good positions. Lingard just finds good positions anyway and makes himself available. He makes a ball to him, the obvious ball to play. You know, that was the frustrating thing about Allaire in a way is that he just didn't have an instinct for right. getting into right positions to demand the ball. Freddie Sears, funnily enough, for all his talent and ability, when he started to get regularly into the Avram Grant side, I sort of thought, ah, oh, he often doesn't stand in the right place to pick up the ball. Do you know what I mean? Just seemed to lack a little bit of, you know, 360-degree game awareness. And uh, that's the good thing about Lingard is that, you know, if his form does sort of fall away even minutely, he sees a lot of the ball. And, uh, you know... I think I think it's all context, isn't it? I think in, in terms of, you know, would we like would we like to sign him permanently? Absolutely, yes. I mean, he's, he's a really, really good player. But you've got to put that in the context of what the transfer budget is going to be overall. Yeah. And the fact that there are one or two areas where we really, really, you know, can't afford not to strengthen for any longer. I mean, you know, we cannot seriously go into a, a, another season with Antonio as our only, as it were, no. semi-recognised striker. Um, we've got to put some, we've got to, um, and that's not going to, a, a quality striker to challenge him for a place, you know, and, and to be able to rotate with him is going to cost a fair amount of that of that budget. And uh, equally, I think we've been very lucky with the fitness of Rice and Suchek. And uh, we've been saying, you know, week after week, uh, somebody who is good enough to step in and play at the level, play at first, you know, first choice level, if you like, in central midfield is another absolute must. Uh, And we need another left back, I think, as as with what we've been saying about Johnson um, proves. Um, So, you know, provided there's enough money in the kitty to cover those those things as well then i'd be all over getting um, i think that's very dependent on in in some ways i think that's quite dependent on what's going on the moment with covid because my suspicions are that the reason we haven't been investing is that you know david sullivan's money is worth less than it was a year ago he's probably very true yeah worth less now if the the economy is bouncing back um the economy but you know the, the markets that he's invested in and his you know, he, he might be more likely to say, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll dump a bit of this or that stock share, whatever, because it's now worth as much as I'm willing to accept for it. Um, but I do think that's possibly why we've not had as much investment because he's, you know, we, we know he's a bit tight. 
Um, and if he knows that something was worth 30 million yesterday and now it's only worth 20, then he'll wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it might be true. I'm sure, I'm sure that's the case. But I think I just think there's an element of I I I I, I like I liked what Moyes said. I mean, whether he was saying it through gritted teeth that he wasn't prepared to spend. Look at the money they were talking about banding around in the January window. And and yeah. that would arguably have gone on another Hilaire punt, which yeah. obviously is was enormous, enormously expensive and in and an enormous flop. Whereas in Jesse Lingard, you actually bring in a man who's Who's, who was in his who's in his pomp at Man United and played in the World Cup? So you know you're kind of getting some guarantees there, and yeah. as you because because we can now get through the rest of this season, I'm going to guess looking at, at as you say, Phil, to a great extent, really good shape, even if it doesn't quite match the first half of the season. I think it gives him a, a, a base from which he can now say, right, let's secure Jesse Lingard, let's secure. Declan Rice, and now, now that you've got faith in me, now that I've, you know, I, I, the guys I brought in have worked, I need that guy there and I need that guy there. And I think for the first time, we might see something resembling a cohesive transfer policy. Yeah. And, and yeah. that you feel that every pound note is relatively well spent. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. Won't that be I, great I think, to see? I hope so. Won't that be great to see, you know, um, some actual kind of, you know, cohesive thought behind the transfers, you know. Um, we always look back to that sort of, was it that transfer window where we were looking at uh, either Giroud or Chicharito? And you go, well, clearly they're so different, those two players. There's clearly no <laughs> yeah. plan behind this shopping list at all. There's just no. two famous strikers. Two names. Yeah. We'll just buy one yes. or the other one. There's no notion of what the our sort of game plan, how we're going to play football the following season. And the tragic thing about that is as well, is I think that they think they're throwing us, the fans, a bone yeah. when yes. they get a guy like that. And, and and I think that's so underestimating the way that people will tend to think. Yeah. Marquee signing. Yes. People think that, you know, we yeah. football fans are into marquee signings. Um, let's continue this after this message. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Uh, yes. Um, well, we'll uh, maybe talk a little bit more about uh, whether we think we have uh, enough in the tank to get to the rest of this season with a decent uh, points haul, because obviously, uh, you know, something that might affect um, transfer budgets in the summer is whether we get into the Champions League or not. Uh, tall order, obviously. But first uh, first of all, um, so Jim, how is uh, Pride of Irons at the moment? West Ham's oh, yeah. the LGBTQ supporter group. 
Oh, well, um, just going really to talk well. about you're on the um, sorry, you're on what the supporters advisory board sort of third iteration is called something oh, else. Well, you're yes. on that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm interim chairman of that. Uh, in fact, yeah. Uh-huh. So we had the old uh, the old supporters advisory board. Then it was the official supporters board. But those yeah. things were all organised and created by the club. Um, like the last one had sort of twenty plus people on it, representing various different areas. And the whole thing was, you know, we'd have these meetings and would be spoken to for about an hour and a half by uh, the club. And then we'd have about half an hour to ask questions. And it was a lot right. of people and a lot of chat. In between that, we did try and do some stuff, though. You know, like the, the, the kits this season were ones that we fed into. And, you know, the, the gold and black one, I was in the room when we were coming up with, you know, the colours for that kit and how we wanted it to look. So, Well, you know, thank you for that, Jim. I love it. Well, yeah, done, I love it, kid, isn't it? <laughs> I love it too, and I couldn't be happy with how it turned out. We talked about black with stealth black versus black and gold, and they went for a bit of a mix. So, um, yeah, I mean, a, there were some there were some things we worked on. We tried our hardest, but there was a lot of you know noise from the outside that this isn't elected by the fans and all the rest of it. So, the, the new iteration is essentially something come up we've come up with between fan groups. There's eight fan groups, which is us. Any Old Irons, which is the over-65s, the Disabled Supporters Group, the Bondholders, Wissa, Hammers United, uh, the Supporters Club as well, and the BAME Hammers Group. And we've basically worked with the Football Supporters Association to come up with this construct. And instead of the club inviting people to meetings, we are inviting the club to our meeting. Right. We've got the agenda of things that we want to work on, you know, things to sort of work on on behalf of the fans. And we're trying to, to deliver on what the fans want. So... It's entirely new, but it's fan-driven. It's not perfect. You know, there's a lot of people who have different opinions and we're still learning how to work together, which yeah. is tough when you've got a bit of history. <laughs> but uh, we're, is, we're, yeah. we're, we're, trying to do, we're trying to do the right thing. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what's going on at the moment. Um, the, the one good thing about it as well, there's two more appointments to be made, which will be for away season ticket holders and Claret members, and they're going to be voted for by the, the fans. So they're bringing in an independent election company to run elections. So away season ticket holders will get to vote for their rep uh, and so the Claret members. But then all season ticket holders will get to vote for your permanent chair. So if you think I'm doing a good job in a couple of months' time, <laughs> you'll get to, <laughs> to vote for me. If you think I'm doing crap, you get to get rid of me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that, 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 that's the new process. And I can't handle that responsibility, Jim. I just can't. I'll panic. <laughs> Jim, Jim, you're an away season ticket holder. I am. I am an away season ticket holder, yes. We'll vote uh, Jim, throw your hat into the ring. Yeah, let's rig uh, the election. Oh, I'm not really a committee man. It's not my thing. But uh, I, I shall definitely use my uh, use my democratic right and, uh, and, and vote. Set an example. Jim, you're more of an angry loner, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm <laughs> <not happy. laughs> yeah. Shouting, Jim, this, though, Jim, honestly. Shouting at trees on a away trip, Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the idea of this is like look, it doesn't go to the game Webber this <laughs> <laughs> goes to a pub in the centre of town and just yeah. goes to it going oh I am like that yeah um, um, yeah so that, that, that that's that um, so yeah any ideas that people have things that they want you know, just just bring them in our, our direction. We're working on the club at the moment with renewals, so the the ticket season ticket process going forward for next season, yeah, um, and how that's going to work. And obviously, we're now talking about how we return to the stadium. So there's there's a lot going on, and we're not going to solve all the problems overnight. But look, we're yeah, your voice into the club, isn't it? Can I 
Doesn't the May the 17th uh, sort of, you know, um, stopping post have going back to big sporting events? Isn't that, isn't that uh, 17th? Everything back to 17th. It is, yeah. Yeah. So that means the home game against Southampton at the end of the season should have fans at it. Yeah, 10,000. Up to 10,000, yeah. I think David Boyce himself has, has said, because I think the Premier League has said it, is that they could see a situation... I, I, I think I may agree, but I'm going to have to take a long, hard look at myself for saying it, is that, that they, they're worried about an unfair advantage that, that basically, in one game of the season, effectively, there's going to be eight sides on, or ten sides yeah, who've okay. got a home field advantage yeah, yeah, because yeah. they've got fans inside. And and I think it's Fulham in particular they, they're pointing out as, as being, you know, in a six-pointer where where that could be a factor. Now, football, there's a thousand things that can affect a football result. Yeah. And I suppose what what you'd often do in that situation is to try and remove as many of those things that make it unfair so that you end up with what you think is the most legitimate result possible. And perhaps that is just basically relinquishing the season for fans. Yeah, yeah. And and I I turned down, I don't know what you guys did, but I, I... turned in my lottery ticket option um, for the, for when we had them because it would have been basically me and my own and, and I, I couldn't so like I, I've got a ticket with one of my grandsons for example and that wasn't incorporated within that no. equally of course if he'd won he'd have ended up in theory he goes on his own so I just couldn't see the worth in it personally yeah, yeah. no I, I there was that one game that two thousand people went to, wasn't it? The Manchester, yeah, United. and we lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah the fans do have an effect. <laughs> but this fun. might not be the only game, though. They're planning to, you know, to be ready for the last game of the season. But I know that the government wants to run a bunch of pilot events, so the you know West Ham may get to have a being a you know based where we are, not being in a residential area, having a big stadium with the most social distancing yeah. you can have for ten thousand people. We may end up having a couple. Yeah, yeah, we are in yeah. good nick for that, aren't we, really? We're a bit of a kind of like, yeah, we're a bit of a poster boy for something that might work, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, be fantastic. Yes, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, there's arguments both sides, aren't there? Yeah, you're right, Webber. I mean, there is the sort of, if it does come down to one or two games, then it might be felt that, you know, those teams that can uh, host the matches will have a uh, a big home advantage. But similarly, just as a sort of, you know, symbolic thing that you know things are yeah. going to, you know get back to normal and actually manage to get it in you know in the spring god would be amazing uh, by the way can i add um having gone to the liverpool west Ham game i hated it i right. absolutely hated it i i should have sat there just in awe at the fact that i was back inside and watching my team and i should have been basically it should have just washed over me like a warm wave and I should have been thrilled and excited couldn't bear it it yeah. made no sense to me at all I was detached from it all it felt abstract surreal perhaps I was the wrong man to go perhaps there's, perhaps there's many others who would have just sat there and, and cherished the moment and I tried to honest to God but it just wouldn't happen I just couldn't I I, I couldn't in the simple phrase get into it yeah. Was it not interesting though hearing the the players shout at each other and stuff? Because I, I I try and play it where possible on the telly without the fake noise. Because right. I actually really like hearing the players communicate with yeah. each other. But like, that must have been interesting watching it live. 
Yeah, well, uh, do you know what? I I I, I went to Brentford ga- uh, to the Brentford game, and Neil Warnock was in the dugout. Absolutely, what you just said was extraordinarily interesting. Stack up at West Ham where the media go. You don't get a lot of that. Uh, is is the only problem with that from that point of view? I've got to say, just on that kind of side note, though, is that, that first of all, I'm sure you touched on it, but I I'm, I do not subscribe number one to this idea that we're a better team because there's no fans in. I think that's the that's the most unprovable, you know, non-scientific <clears throat> bullshit I've ever heard in all of my life. And unless, of course, someone can prove it, but the point is they can't. And number two as well, I feel terrible. I, I'm not totally convinced that that we're we're spending a lot of time looking at players going, listen to him screaming and shouting and rolling around. And this is what the problem with football is. My suspicion is they're always made that much noise. It's just that we hadn't heard them oh, before. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. There was a great, I think it was might have been that City game where um, uh, Antonio goes sort of on a run that kind of comes to nothing and he just runs kind of basically sort of into touch and obviously runs towards a microphone. You just hear him kind of go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of just the effort of going, oh, fuck. Oh, God. Just a minute. Oh, oh, oh. Stand in the pedal here. Oh, try and put it on your head. Uh, like that. It's just oh, perfect. Um, yeah. That's the noise I make when I sit down and realise I've left something in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of those noises. Yeah. yeah, like I now I'm at the age where it takes me about four times to uh, leave the house because I've forgotten. You know, I'm going to drive somewhere and I have left my car keys in my flat, having thought, bring your car keys. And if I was mic'd up, it, me leaving the house would just be going, just, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Slam. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, yeah. We're talking about all the stuff surrounding football and football matches. Wasn't that a brilliant... <laughs> Wasn't that brilliant when, like, uh, Slavia Prague uh, beat Leicester and they WhatsApped, um, they WhatsApped yeah, that was great. from the pitch? So it's like Suchek's watching it on telly at home and he's going, oh, no, phone is gone. I'm trying to watch my friends play football. Oh, it's, <laughs> probably, it's probably one of those accident phone calls. Hello? No, I haven't had an accident in the last six years. <laughs> what? What? Pavel? Yes, yes, it's me. Look at TV. Look at TV. I wave. I wave. Oh, there you are. You are on telly. You are on telly. Oh, no, I am on telly. We are both on telly. Fantastic, fantastic. What what time is it where you are? Same time as you. We are in England, Leicester. We are in Leicester. Oh, in Covent Garden. No, that's Leicester Square. We are in Leicester. Less, uh, <laughs> but it was just like yeah, it's great. He's wearing a kit shirt to watch it on. Yes, tape. yeah, and How they sing his name, don't they? They have a chant for him. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're singing his name on the pitch when they've just won and what's happening. Yeah. I, I got very excited. I, I was doing my talk, uh, talk sports show, the Sunday morning show, a couple of weeks back, and took a flying jump at his surname by way of pronunciation. Uh, probably just deliberately garbled it and choked myself to make sure that it didn't that it didn't sound like, you know, that I, I didn't know what I was saying. And we had some like, 
my girlfriend's there, and his name is pronounced Solchek. Yeah. And I thought, that, that's the greatest name in the world. He, it's basically like, where did Al Green record the second album, Expand My Mind? Just check with Solchek. And again. <laughs> they were singing. They were singing. He's the vowel anyway. I didn't know about the L, but the vowel was an O. They were singing what I thought was Solchek, Solchek. Uh, on the pitch. Well, uh, I'm putting so, the, I'm putting the L in there, Jim. There's no so way. The oh, no, yeah. I think we absolutely have to call him Solchek from he now. He is Solchek. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just. I'm sort of. I've accepted that you have to say Sufal, but I still say Suchek because, like, quite often those footballers' names, you just say it the first time you that how you said it the first time. Like Paye, you weren't supposed to say Paye. You're supposed to say Payet. Payet. But, uh, yeah. you know, because I'd said Paye for like about three weeks before I knew that, I thought... I'm it was in. <laughs> well, just to throw something further in there, my understanding is that it's pronounced Sochek. So it's like a T at the beginning, Sochek. 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 Hold on, do that again. Sochek. So it's like, it's northern Sochek, isn't it? Sochek. Yeah, Sochek. Yeah, that record that come out, covered up in 1977 at, at Wigan Pier. What was that? It's like the Liverpudlian T at the end of words with a T at the end, which is in fact a sort of T-S, where they go, great, great. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes, yes. Like a sort of yeah. something fizzling out. Yeah, yeah. Like a hi-hat. Um, yeah, yeah, Exactly. Oh, we said in the podcast the last week, you know, worried about hanging on to rice, hanging on to Suchek is, uh, you know, like, seems like a huge priority to me. He's like the... Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. apparently Rice says he's a huge character in the dressing room. We talked about this last week. Bizarrely, Fornells is quite a big character in the dressing room, which is sort of slightly surprising, but uh, sort of really good. That band uh, celebration was Fornells' idea. You've got to hope I, the good I, feeling amongst the squad will keep will make them want to stay together. You know, they're playing good football. They're obviously having a laugh as well, yeah. and they get on yeah. really well. Which is yeah, why I so. worry yeah. about, and, and this is probably very unfair to him, because I think I've just got him embodying the issue, is that I worry about Felipe Anderson having to come back at some point, like a big old damp, cloud and, and, and being the slough of despond about the whole thing because uh, well i mean in theory he has to come back he's not been sold he's yeah. got no one really wants him what else can they really do unless basically we can sort of get through to the end of the season and we kind of never see him again and loan him to slavia prague nice free <laughs> yeah. yeah and then he'll come back twice the player yeah yeah, yeah. Then bring him work. Back. that could work i like your thinking I mean, Haller has shown the way. What they've done with Haller has shown the way there. I think Webbo. Yeah, good point. And they'll take a financial hit with it. I mean, they've got to. I think really, Um, unless he comes back somehow, kind of you know, with with a different mindset. But it doesn't doesn't seem very likely. It's not a physical thing. He's not injured. He's got some kind of crushing lack of confidence, like some huge cloud of clinical depression has fallen on him and he you know I mean he was just yeah. hiding before we sent him away on loan he was just hiding in games uh, it's, uh, I was embarrassing to watch him I, thought, I, I was, was embarrassed awful. for him is yes. what I was 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I felt embarrassed for him. He came on in about the last 10 minutes in the last game we went to, Jim, which was the away game at Arsenal before yeah. lockdown happened. It's about the 1st of March or something. And he just had to come on for 10 minutes at the end and like run about. But he didn't. He sort of hid in the middle of the pitch and yeah. was like really like trying not to be passed to, trying to just get through that 10 minutes of the game without really having to kick the ball. It was extraordinary. Yeah. It was chasing, you know, we were chasing a leveller as well, you know. It was, coming yeah. back into this team and, and the way that they're, the good feeling yeah. amongst the squad and the way they're training now and the fact that we're winning, I don't know, would that, could could that help trigger a bit of a confidence boost in him? <sighs> it's a theory, but I, it's, it's back to the numbers that we talked about. You know, do you, do you need to jeopardise it by trying to find that fact out? I wonder if, if you don't, especially when, if, if we're going to get through to the end of May, we don't see him and we are having to arguably looking at trimming the squad. I mean, I, I'm delighted that, for example, Winston Reid looks like he's found a home at Brentford. I yeah. mean, the odds are he's going to come back up. He'll be a, The odds are he'll come up as a Premier League player next year. I, I bet they keep him. Is he uh, getting and, games? And Is he getting games? He's, he's playing. Playing, right. yeah, and right. he, you know, and he's a, he's exactly the kind of player that they like. You know, he's a he's a big centre half who, who who's happy that if he's got the ball at his feet, he'll he'll bring the ball out, and that's yeah. that's the way Brentford play their football, and uh, it, it works really well. And no, I, it, it's it, it's patently clear that the, the, the very idea of the way that Anderson thought that I guess he thought he was nicking a living, which is by staying out of the way and passing the ball back to the fellow who just gave it to him. There's barely a man on the field of play and I, uh, that we have now, including when we're having to sort of go down the bench a bit, who doesn't mind having the ball. But look yeah. at our and coaching staff as well, though. I think uh, it's probably got a lot to do with that, right? That I think you so. Can't, you can't have passengers when, you've got, when you're being trained by those four. Yeah. I think, yeah, Kevin Nolan wouldn't be wearing any of that stuff, would he? I, that, that strikes me as being a man for whom... That that's that, that's really just not how things are done around my way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuart Pearce even more. Um, yeah, true. Stuart Pearce lives around my area. I keep seeing him in my local Costa in the morning. Wow. Very polite. Held the door open for me. Uh, doesn't like a, a lid on his coffee. He seems like he's a really nice bloke, Pearce. Seems like a really good bloke. I knew he wouldn't like lids on coffee. I, I, do you know that, that was, I that that strikes me as being so him, and I've got to say as well. I did once see him, um, I was working up at Nottingham Forest and he came in and had a bacon sandwich. And right. again, Mr. 0% body fat, even at his age. Yeah, and it made yeah. me, and it made me, you know, it, it made me a happy man that the fact is that he's still prepared to put filth in his body like what I am as well, but I don't look like he does. No, no. Uh, it's going to sound like I'm making this up, but he was when he was waiting for his coffee, he was standing there doing little lunges. No, so he's limbering up before training. Okay, you know why? It's because you can't lunge without a lid on your coffee. That is a um, fatal mistake to make, isn't it? It's often the tester just of how tight <laughs> it's fitting. It's just do a few. Well, lunges. you go for a quick lunge to see if the lid comes off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the test you have to do. That woman wouldn't have sued McDonald's when she spilt that coffee over herself <laughs> in the nineties if she'd simply done a couple of lunges. All she needed limber up VHS of Jane Fonda's workout and a mug oh. of coffee, and she would have been all right. The old latte lunge. Oh, we the do it every morning. Lunge. <laughs> we could be onto this business idea. We should open um, gyms inside coffee places like Costas. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Wasn't that sad about Glen Rhoda? I mean, uh, yes, very horrible. I mean, very. 65. Fuck me. 65. Oh. Jesus. Um, you know, that's a terrible thing. I mean, I, I, I think it was, um, I mean, obviously that sort of, you know, brain problem um, is something that, you know, came back. And, yes, uh, it was a recurrence, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I was 65 years old. Um, you know, obviously things didn't end brilliantly, but there was that seventh place finish, which is probably yeah. our joint second best finish in um, 35 years. Yeah. I think the Billich season, 15-16, was seventh. It was seventh, yep. Yeah. That was seventh. Um, and then you've got... It, the, Harry's two best finishes were eighth and then fifth. And fifth. Fifth yeah. place finish. So I think after our third place finish, that fifth is the next best finish in 35 years. And then yeah. in joint second place is two seventh place finishes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was... Um, by all accounts, you know, such a, 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 a decent gentleman of the game um, and, and well-liked and respected as a coach. And that's how he came across. Uh, you know, I think I think we felt as fans, even despite the seventh finish, that, that through no fault of his own, obviously, he had been kind of promoted slightly beyond his capabilities. And it was a disappointment, having got rid of Redknapp, I think everybody felt in the old cliche, Redknapp had taken us as far as he could take us. There was this expectation. I don't think Kirbishley was top of the list, ironically, at the uh, yeah. at, at yeah. the time. But there was this expectation that we were going to go up a level in terms of manager. And so people went when they appointed him as a as a coach. Um, and I think he, you know, in particular, he struggled with Decanio, didn't he? The, the, the kind of to control that ego um yes and there was there was a there was a, a big spat in the in the relegation season i think after the, the game of, of west brom um and and decanio didn't come back into the team until that goal he scored you know the game we scored Still, against, um, um, sort of Chelsea. Him, really yeah under trevor yeah. brooking for the last few yeah. games i mean it was a freak season you know 42 points nobody's gone down with anything like that before um and, uh, and actually, but, but, I remember. I remember us saying when 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 Rhoda came in, when uh, when Redknapp was sacked, Redknapp because he had fired Rio was starting to <clears throat> lose sight of what his best team was, and also how best to yeah. set out uh, his defence. And he was trying various combinations of his favoured three at the back because it had worked so well with Rio Ferdinand, David Unsworth, and Ian Pearce. But of course, he didn't have Rio Ferdinand anymore, and in fact, possibly David. No. On too. So he no, keeps trying no to play just three blokes in a three-man defence. And Rhoda came in and went, stop fucking about 4-4-2. Four, four, and mm. uh, that's what he did uh, for that seventh-place season most of the time. He went to a 4-4-2. Four, four, and uh, even though he still had a kind of slightly wretched bunch of uh, defenders, he just sort of thought, well, I will organise them the best I can, rather than well, trying to kind of yeah. solve the problem by playing five of them, I'll play four of them and just try and play the four. Players. I mean, funny enough that, you know, the, the, the echoes of that are in the, the, the couple of games where where Moyes had to reconceive after Arthur went out and and thought that perhaps the best way was to just try and put... Patch together a five, a three and yeah. a three and one, and then realise no, I'll just go with the personnel and what fits the personnel best. And we've been playing with a bat four since fundamentally, haven't we? But in terms of road, I just what it's it's so sad because you, you simply have, I've never heard anything bad said about him, and that's 
talking to pros that have worked, played with him and worked around him. And I wonder if he was that victim of the fact that, of course, as you just alluded to a little bit, over-promoted. I mean, at the time that he he took over as manager, I forget who told me, but it was someone in and around the uh, the, the club. In, re- in reality, at that time, he was he was taking kids coaching classes at schools. Yeah, so it yeah. was it was that kind of quantum leap that he did. But of course, we're talking about a man who might arguably be a pure coach who then had yeah. thrust upon him the politics of looking after a club which was, let's be brutally honest, in some form of maelstrom most days of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. I think yeah. so. You know, I, I mean, think... the fallout of, of Ferdinand and, um, and and Lampard going and the fact that, that, that there was no replacement for Ferdinand at, um, at centre-back, um, you know, we had an embarrassment of Riches up front and, and, and in midfield coming through as, as well. But we just needed, in all of that period, and I don't blame, you know, any one particular manager for this, but we just needed to have signed some quality in central defence. And we signed, to be honest, a series of, of substandard central defenders. I mean, uh, everyone watched Gary Breen play the game of his life for Ireland against Spain at the 2002 World Cup. Um, and thought, oh, yeah, he's, but he wasn't the answer. Daly mm. was never really a top Premier League class centre-half. Um, we had a sort of slightly ageing Ian Pearce. Um, and uh, Repka is one of the most horrible footballers who's ever played for the club, in my humble. I know he's a cult figure with, with some people, but, um, you know, he was he was shocking as a centre-half. He was a serviceable right-back, but he was a shocking centre-half. Shocking centre-back. And Rigobert Song. Rigobert Song was the other one. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We, yeah. There, there was... I remember there being a very obvious thing to do with uh, some or all of the eighteen million pounds we got for Rio Ferdinand, which was to buy Southgate and Ekiog. Yeah, who? Where was talk about that, wasn't there at the time? Villa? Were they still at Villa? They were both both at Villa, and I think they went to Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah, that makes the other way round. You know, what you wanted was like, you know, you wanted to replace, you know, Ferdinand with uh, the very worst. Uh, the equivalent of Dawson, just a serviceable yes, defender who knows but, what he's doing. Rather but that than money, that money was nutter from the, yeah. that money was never destined for players, though, was it? That was no. the problem. I mean, Ferdinand's not gone for any other reason than they needed money for something else, and that something else wasn't replacements from no. Rio Ferdinand. So that was the end yeah. of that, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And then that relegation season, he you know he had to contend with 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 injuries, bad injuries. Um, so he never really managed to put together a settled side, particularly a settled defence. Um, Schemmel's form had fallen off a cliff yeah. inexplicably. Um, it was you know, and, and Glenn Johnson wasn't quite ready, but he came in towards the end of that that, that season. Looked good. Um, it was you know, but when you think you had a team with the attacking talents of Sinclair. Uh, Canute, Decanio, Defoe, Cole. Um, you know, uh, Cole, Joe Cole. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, it's yeah, remarkable yeah. that that team went down <laughs> with yeah. David James in goal as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yes. Um, so, anyway, um, we've got Leeds United. We've got a good long rest before Leeds, haven't we? Because that's, that's yeah. not even next Monday. Monday, isn't it? Next Monday. Yeah. Um, so, if they I mean, mind. Sorry? 
So have they got a good long rest? Yes, yes. Obviously, that'll help them because they play high octane. Yeah. What do we think about that fixture? Just about the most unpredictable team you can play, aren't they, really? Um, You just never know whether they're going to come along and it will all click for them and they'll give you a tonking, as they have done to some good teams this season, or whether... um, you know, they 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 they'll just sort of kind of crumble in front of you. It's very difficult to know. Either yeah. way, it probably won't be a draw. They they either win win big or lose big. Don't they? I'm still yeah, suffering yeah. from the typical West Ham mentality of even though I've seen us play so well this season, and even on paper, you know, this is the kind of team that we should be beating, which in previous seasons means we'll lose. Um, <laughs> I still can't bring I still can't bring myself to to be super confident about it, even though I have total belief in the players. I'm just in this mental. Yeah, yeah. L- love, typhoon. L- loving your, mer- your paranoia there, Jim. Joining you on it as well. And, uh, <laughs> I, and I'll, I'll add to that the fact that our game is absolutely suited for the way that Leeds play because Leeds want to run you all over the field and ragged. And we won't be, I, I suspect that we won't be drawn into that kind of game and yeah. that Leeds need us to be leaving big gaping holes. And it's not yeah. something that we're doing at the moment. And we, as we've discussed all evening, um, our, our strength in the counter-attack, our, our ability to, to to pick out pockets of space, our ability to then use the ball when we're in those pockets of space, and our ability to create really decent chances, I think is everything that Leeds aren't going to like. Yeah. So I've just, I've just, I've just got, I'm, I'm even worse than Jim now. now. I've been even more positive. It's the I'm mental gymnastics you have to go through to answer <laughs> this question. Exactly. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So who wants to go first with a prediction? Jim Grant. 3-1. 3-1 to us. Yep. Jim Dolan. 2-0. 2-0 to us. I'm I'm going to be positive. I'm going to. I'm going to go against my my gut. Not my gut. No, against my soul. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Webbo, what do you reckon? I like like the two-goal gap. But just to be sporting, I will say it's going to be a more nail-biting 2-1. 2-1. Is it here or there? It's we. here. We. Yeah. It's here. It's us. All right. Well, then I'm going to say, God, they've all gone, haven't they? I'll have to go for, I'll have to go for 4-0 then. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, yeah, yeah. that's sure because then you have the same aggregate as Jim. Then, so you both be on, on four goals. I like sure it. You yeah. Yeah. Risk that? Well, yeah, that means we'll, you know, yeah, we'll have to share. We'll have to share it, unless, of course, I'm right. In which case, there's a different, a difference, a difference <laughs> in when I'm right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yes. Uh, One of our gyms last week called the two-one, didn't he? Got we got that. He got that prediction right. Was that Jim Reed? Yeah, Jim Reed. Yeah, excellent. Good old Jim. Um, yes, well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, we made their life hard last time, didn't we? It's sort of, uh, they were really unable to do what they like to do last time. Uh, yeah. So, hopefully, we can sort of. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say something really stupid to really mix up again as well is I think that there's an element of hype around them that they don't quite back up often as no. they should do. No, no. Um, there's talents in that team, aren't there? There's lots of players I like. You know, as I said, if we ever, you know, if if some 
if for some bizarre reason they did decide to sell uh, Declan Rice to Chelsea for loads of money, I would just instantly buy that Phillips bloke. Yes, um, he's injured, him. by the way. He yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's helpful, isn't it? It is. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you say there's a lot of hype about them because I think on the flip side, um, still I think we're somehow flying under the radar, even in yeah. fourth position. I agree. It still feels I, I, like I will take that, Jim. If they can oh, yeah. underestimate us all the way till May, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not offended. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think I think it's sort of the 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 narrative about the club. I really, you know, it really sort of makes me a bit cross that sort of since Tevez and since Sullivan and Gold came in and the stuff around the stadium and bids for the stadium, this notion that we're a little bit crooked and a bit dodgy has sort of come up, uh, which. Um, sort of annoys me. Uh, the stadium move and the owners and Karen Brady, obviously being a Sun columnist and stuff, it's as if the club is now a little bit better known than the players that play for the club. And I think quite often a lot of kind of uh, uh, neutral football fans just couldn't name any of our players. You know, mm. some of them might be able to name Mark Noble because he's been there for a long time. Uh, I'd but, go a step further. I think there's this whole thing that, that you know, this quote, the club, the identity of, of West Ham extends from the owners to everything else. So like you say, the players, but also the thing I experience a lot is, you know, working with the people behind the scenes, the operations staff, poor buggers just trying to do their jobs every day, trying to help fans out. And they yeah. get, you know, dogs abuse because they're, you know, treated as the club when it's just, you know, poor blokes and, and birds who are just trying to do a job. So it is a really a toxic kind of thing that's spread down. But yeah. as I suppose to to your part, uh, part um, comment there, Mark, I think, you know, if, if that somehow masks us as a team um, and people underestimate us, then all the better for the rest of this Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, you get this in, in, in my game is that, that you know, they go in... I mean, Ralph Hessenhutl and Graham Potter are still, um, you know, coaching geniuses with their teams yeah. now nutting the bottom of the table. Uh, but yeah. and, and that narrative doesn't seem to have changed too much. David Moyes has definitely swung the pendulum in his yeah. favour. And I hope that where we're he's kind of at now, where we're kind of at now, is as far as he wants to go. Because I don't think I need to see... David Moyes as a strutting peacock. No. I think I like to see him as this man who's leading a group of players, all of, and they spend a lot of time saying, no one believes in us still. They all just think we're a ragbag. They, they all still mm. think that, as you say, that this club is more about the people that own it than the people who play for it. And we're quietly proving them wrong. And let's carry on quietly doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally Happy agree. with that? Happy with totally, that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a sort last, of a... last on match of the day every week. Come yeah, on, yeah, absolutely. Come on. Yeah. With a four nil yeah. win against Leeds, that's absolutely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think that's probably it for this week's uh, Stop Hammer Time. My name is uh, Phil Whelan's. With me this week have been Jim Grant, Cheerio, Jim Dolan, Toodles, and Mark Webster. Come on, Thank you kindly. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.